Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free and catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey everyone, I'm Lauren Conlin and welcome to the Lauren Interviews podcast. Thanks for joining me and happy Monday. I hope everyone had a great weekend. I feel disgusting from eating too much this weekend and having too many Aperol spritzes, but that is a good problem to have, I'd say. Anyway, so what I have for you this week, it's a little bit different, but it's also similar to something I did a few weeks back where I cross-promoted an episode of my other podcast, which is a true crime podcast and that's called What Happened to Grant Solomon. Now, this podcast, I say that it's true crime, but it's actually, I'm kind of treating it as an an ongoing investigation because I keep (laughs) uncovering new information and peeling back the layers of this insane and tragic story. So this episode specifically, it was posted um, on June 15th, 2023, so just a few weeks ago, and it's called Gallatin PD failed to gather Grant's belongings from the ditch. So who found them? Plus, another Tennessee mom speaks out, and it's powerful. I know, my titles are incredibly long, but I have a lot to say, okay? But anyway, this episode was so hard for me to get through. I interviewed, like I said, a Tennessee mom who was very close to the Solomons and it was tough. I mean, I found myself in tears and I tried not to do that because I wanted to be just editorial or not, sorry, I should say non-editorial when doing an interview like this, but I really couldn't help myself. So uh, what this mom shares, what she witnessed with this family and how no one would help them and no one is still helping them um, is just so troublesome. And when I say no one, I don't mean people like me and like her. I mean, no one like the police or um, attorneys or the DA. You get me. So anyway, um, something else that we uncovered is something interesting that was said by Aaron Solomon, Grant's father, in his eulogy, which is so cringy. If you want to hear that, go to the, the whole eulogy, go to the Corruption Podcast, and you can find a bonus episode where I analyze it with a body language expert. It's just, it's so bad. But anyway, he says something about the way Grant's belongings were returned to him. And it's just insane. I mean, number one, it's insane that the police actually left them in the ditch where he died. And number two, it's insane because the person who gives them to Aaron Solomon essentially was his best friend. And you will hear all about that in this episode. But yeah, it just doesn't add up. And I wanted everyone to hear it right here because if you haven't listened to the whole corruption uh, podcast yet, I have a feeling after listening to this episode, you will want to run, not walk and go listen and also figure out any type of way you can help. So without further ado, I'm going to play that specific episode of corruption. What happened to Grant Solomon? Most weight loss plans are one size fits all not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom is built for your psychology and your biology, meeting you where you are. Noom Weight uses psychology. That's why they say losing weight starts with your brain. But it also takes into account your unique biological factors, which also affect weight loss success. The program helps you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have cravings. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available for pre-order wherever books are sold. And here's your prescription. 
I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. I'm Lauren Conlin, and we are back with another episode of Corruption, What Happened to Grant Solomon? So if you listen to the bonus episode, you know that Grant would have turned 21 years old this past Tuesday, June 13th. So I wanted to just pay a little tribute to him. I mean, it was really nothing, but I just wanted listeners to get a better idea of what a special person he was. I mean, everyone I've spoken to about Grant just always has the nicest things to say about him. And, you know, I don't I don't focus on that enough. So I wanted to just share a couple stories from um, Grant's life with his friends and his sister and his girlfriend. And, I mean, I was just, I was crying listening to them. So, Grant, buddy, we love you. We miss you. And I wish I knew you. But um, as you all also know, the three-year mark of Grant's death, is coming up next month on July 20th. So I don't like to call something like this an anniversary because, uh, I don't know, it just makes it seem like we're celebrating it and um, we're not celebrating this. So I am not sure what to call the three-year mark of his death, but all I know is that it has been three years and not one person has been officially questioned, arrested, or held accountable. And that is just unacceptable. So let me remind everybody that there is a $20,000 reward if anyone has information that leads to the arrest or the conviction in this case. Last week, we featured Awalani Santiago from the Stories from the Mortuary podcast, who dropped some crazy information about the mishandlings from the funeral home who had Grant. And let me tell you, Angie Solomon told me, she's like, I don't even think I can listen to this episode because it just makes me sick to my stomach. Everything that Grant went through, you know, and then this had to happen. So let me just refresh your memory. The funeral home got rid of the clothes he wore during the accident without permission. They just got rid of them. We don't know exactly what they did. I'm assuming they burned them since, you know, we couldn't get them back. Or maybe they put them in a dumpster and the trash was taken out. Who knows? All we know is that they're gone. And then, sadly, they broke his ankles to fit in the coffin, even though Grant had already been measured and everything. So talk about more corruption. I mean, I cannot believe that no one from the funeral home was questioned about any of this. I did find out that the previous owners who did this um, at the funeral home, they sold it. So it's actually under new management. It's called the Williamson Memorial Funeral Home. And our friend at Anglican Watch contacted them to see if they had any information or anything in general to share. So I'll keep everybody posted on that. And one last thing I did want to add is that someone anonymously emailed me that they thought Steve Berger may not have accompanied Aaron to the initial meeting at the funeral home. This is something that Awalani had shared. Um, We are looking into this. So for now, let's just strike that from the record until we can triple confirm. So speaking of corruption, let's go back to something, something that was stated in Aaron Solomon's eulogy for his son, Grant Solomon. And if you follow the at Freedom for Gracie Instagram, you may have, um, you may know what I'm going to be talking about. So this is just another really, really, really strange coincidence in this case. And I think that there is just so much going on with this case. I think most of you would agree with all the cover-ups and the mishandlings and inconsistencies, um, this, what I'm about to say, kind of got swept under the rug because it's not as black and white as the other things. So example, the fact that Grant's body didn't have burns, but Aaron said he was dragged. Yeah, that's pretty easy to call BS. The fact that Grant's feet were facing the highway and not the parking lot based on Aaron's story. BS. 
And, you know, just the fact that Aaron's story changed a million times and he was never questioned thoroughly by Gallatin PD, that is total BS, obviously wrong. So you get it by now. We have so many of these instances that are just not hard to prove. They just, um, you know, make our case stronger. So... Back to Aaron's eulogy, which, I mean, we can all agree that was incredibly cringe. He said so many weird things that I wouldn't even think to say at my kid's funeral. I wouldn't even comprehend to say half the stuff he said. But the way I interpreted this was that Aaron was covering his tracks. He was covering all of his lies, making sure that he said everything that needed to be said to back up his story. And this is my opinion. So let me play the part that I'm referring to, the weirdest of the weird and the biggest coincidence of of all coincidences. But the Grantley thing that so far blows my mind the most, after the accident scene was cleared Monday, a man was looking around the scene and found Grant's cell phone, his GCA baseball hat, and what's left of the sports goggles he was wearing. Ironically, this man just happens to know one of my best friends, Lee, and gets my number from Lee, texts me to know that he has Grant's things and he wants them returned to his family. This man is 55, 56 years old, admits to Lee that he has never in his life been a believer, ever had done a couple things in his life and lived rough, just didn't believe. But he tells Lee, what happened to Grant Monday has affected him so deeply that he's a believer now. So let's reiterate. Gallatin PD left Grant's belongings in the ditch. Cell phone, hat, goggles, glasses, I know this is crazy hard to believe, right? I mean, they literally left these things that were part of a crime scene at the scene of the crime. No big deal. Oh, and no pictures of his belongings were taken directly after the incident in the ditch, um, to my knowledge. So, (laughs) I mean, sorry, I can't help but laugh because it's just, it's just so coincidental. A random man is at the scene of the accident who knows Lee Lynch. Well... Who is Lee Lynch? Lee Lynch is the husband of Aaron's former co-anchor, Holly Thompson, at WSMV News 4 in Nashville. So, um, and as Aaron said, Lee Lynch is, is one of his best friends. He worked with Holly for a long time. So yeah, this random man just happens to be snooping in the ditch that Grant died in, finds Grant's belongings, and gives them to one of Aaron's best friends, Lee Lynch. Wow. What are the odds? Oh, and then this is, this was the best part. It was a really nice touch on Aaron's part. This random man decides that he's found God. I, I don't know what to say, you guys. I mean, is this something you'd organically want to say in your kid's eulogy that some random guy gave your best friend your son's belongings that should have actually been in police custody the entire time? I mean, would you bring this up in a speech at a funeral? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I don't know what to say. It's, it's so insane. It's hard to even, even comprehend. And it's hard to believe that nobody noticed this. Law enforcement wasn't like scratching their head like, hmm, that's kind of weird, you know, or, or oops, maybe we, we should have taken better care of his belongings. Nope. No one said anything. Um, I do want to point out Grant's cell phone after the quote unquote random man gave it to Lee It was cracked kind of like a a spider web, but a spider web crack wouldn't exactly match with a phone being in your pocket or your hand or even being, you know, thrown or jerked out of your hand if you were dragged down a ditch. And if you know what I'm talking about, you know what the spider web crack is. It, It just looks like a spider web, you know, in the middle it was smashed and then it kind of like there's lines going out. So, um, the spider web crack it really only happens if someone smashes it with a hammer or something because that's how this the you know the lines kind of draw out from the middle. 
So you can see the picture of Grant's phone on the Freedom for Gracie Instagram post that was done this week calling out Holly Thompson. You'll see what I mean. And I mean, I just saying all of this out loud, it it just seems like a joke at this point. And because everybody, police, the DA's office, they just hear all this information. They see all of this information and they choose to look the other way. So let's pivot to today's guest. Her name is Melanie and she's a Franklin, Tennessee mom. And at first we weren't going to use her name, but then she said her son's name at one point and then I said her name and she was like, you know what? It's fine. I mean, she, she's been very involved with Gracie Grant uh, and Angie for, for a long time, very supportive. So it just makes sense as most people would have figured out it was her anyway, but man, I, I get really emotional. And I got really emotional during this interview with her. I had to like mute myself just because, uh, she was, she was in it. She was there for most of what happened, um, throughout the course of the last 10 years. And it's, I know I keep saying this, but it's like, you're living in a fantasy world where you're like, sorry, uh, people in power governor, you, you see that what's happening. We have proof of this. We have this on paper. We went to the right people and nothing's being done. So, uh, I'm going to play my interview with her and, um, you'll, you'll see what I mean, but this just really ties everything together for me, um, that everybody in the community knew what was going on with Aaron Solomon. Everybody knew what kind of person he was and somehow he was never even questioned. It's so, so frustrating and bonkers. So, uh, without further ado, I'll play my interview with Melanie. I have a Tennessee mom who knows the Solomon family pretty well and has agreed to share what she experienced with the family, what she witnessed and why she thinks that this story needs attention and Grant's case needs to be reopened. So welcome. Thank you for joining me. Do you mind just um, explaining to listeners how you know the Solomons? Thank you, Lauren. Yeah, so I met Angie, Gracie and Grant uh, when the kids were little and Aaron was um, my son's basketball coach at one time, along with Grant. And that's how we met Grant and Angie and Gracie. They attended Grace Christian Academy together and basically grew up together. Um, so that's how I met the family. Okay. And, um, we'll, we'll kind of skip ahead a little bit, but you, um, you were there then when, you know, 2013 hit and the divorce happened, the custody battle, you were there through all of it. So what, what did you, what did you know right before Angie was going to file for divorce? What did she tell you or what did you witness? What did you see? I mean, can you just uh, talk me through that a little bit? Well, I, I felt like, um, that, that, Angie was facing some great difficulties. Um, and it was sort of a gradual process that I got to really understand what was going on. It really wasn't until Aaron took the kids overnight that, um, that I quickly started um, understanding the big picture when the kids were little, when he took them for that, okay. you know, six year period. Right. Yes. So were you, were you one of the, the moms or one of the people that kind of believed the salacious lies he was telling about her, about that she was on drugs or she was stealing from the pharmacy? I don't know. Yeah. So, um, you know, I always knew one thing was very steadfast and constant and true with Angie Grant and Gracie, and that's that they were not liars. Um, mm. and, and it, I just knew it in my heart. Um, and, uh, but it was very difficult because Aaron was such a good actor at the time. He was really telling the school and the other moms, you know, how difficult his, it was and that his wife was mentally ill and how he was a single dad. And he was even crying in the parking lot, you know, to some of these moms and, you know, really pouring it on thick and was really a mastermind at confusing the public. Um, so that's, that was, that's, was a big struggle, you know, back then because mm -hmm. Aaron is, he was a news anchor. He's an actor, you know, he knew how to pull that off very well. 
Right, right. And that's something Tanya Ryman said, where she just said, you know, as as um, an anchor and as someone who's on TV, you are ready to go at all times. You know what to say, you know how to say it. And he had that going for him. So you, you personally, you got through and you can correct me. I'm just trying to figure this out. You, you kind of made it through the rumors. You, um, you look past them. You saw that Angie, Gracie, and Grant, like you said, weren't liars. And you decided that you wanted to be there for them. And you were team Angie over team Aaron. Is that correct? Correct. Um, you know, I started attending court with Angie um, it, to help her kind of walk through that process and to help her get the children back. And, and the reason why I did that is because when Aaron took the children, I saw such a dramatic decline in the children's health, um, especially Gracie. Um, Gracie went from, you know, a bouncing, beautiful, energetic little girl with, you know, bows in her hair and adorable monogrammed outfits and to just, I, I have a hard time even, even describing it. Um, you know, she basically turned into a zombie. Um, you know, she had bags under her eyes. She quit talking. Um, the entire community noticed. I mean, she, the clothing that Erin was putting her in, she looked like something off a handmaid's tale. I mean, she had on long skirts that were dragging the ground. Um, you know, Erin would stop at the market after school and the sweet little ladies there would pull Gracie aside and pray with her, you know, and just say, hang on, Gracie, we're praying for you. You know, it's God has got you. It's going to be okay. You know, so, um, and then same thing with Grant, you know, just on the basketball court, he would just unravel because he was trying to just hold it all together, you know, um, and, and, you know, and Grant still, I mean, in spite of all of this, felt all this pressure to perform. You know, he was always a, a 4.0 student and, and an amazing athlete that was trying to protect his mother and his sister through all of this. Um, so when I saw that decline in the children, which was so drastic, um, I really wanted to help Angie, the children, get back with their mother. And that's when the court uh, process began. Sorry, you literally made me cry for a second. Um, no, because it's, you know, I've I've heard from multiple people, I guess, uh, what happened and the change. And, and I guess, you know, the more I speak personally to, to Gracie, you know, Gracie and I text and Angie and I text and I just, oh my gosh, just hearing this over and over really is upsetting, especially because these poor kids go from just living with mom and dad, obviously close to their mom, because, you know, we all knew how Aaron was and just right. to refresh people's memories. He was abusive to all of them, if not physically to the children verbally. I mean, he called Grant fat. He, you know, it, it's just so thinking about just Gracie losing her mom overnight and then having to go mm -hmm. deal with him is just, it's mm -hmm. incredibly heartbreaking. I want to ask you something random. Um, when I first spoke to Angie, we had like a three hour interview and she brought something up um, about really what, what was the, the breaking point for her. And it was Aaron, you know, attempting to strangle her in the bathroom with uh, I think it was a hairdresser or hairdresser, a hairdryer cord or something like that. But what she mentioned after was that Aaron went running down the street in a suit and Somebody on the radio, a radio station picked it up. I have been searching for this clip just forever for the life of me. I cannot find it. Do you remember people talking about this in town? Because it is weird to see a public figure. I know that if I saw, you know, a news anchor that I knew running in his dress shoes and suit and whatever down the street, it would be pretty jarring. I do. I, you know, I heard the rumors. I, I didn't hear the radio station myself, but I heard the rumors of, you know, uh, basically, you know, people calling into the station saying, hey, Aaron Solomon is running down the street in the neighborhood. You know, it was sort of, sort of this bizarre um, witness on, on their part. So, um, yes, I, I do remember hearing that. Yes. And, and people didn't, I mean, I think that is literally the most bizarre thing ever. And nobody's, no one thought like, to, I don't know. It's just like, if anyone's on drugs here, 
wouldn't it be the guy running down the street in a suit? Like, like, like actually going for a jog in a suit. Not, and guys, I'm not just saying he sprinted from like one driveway to another. He was literally on a run in a suit. So that's not crazy, I guess. I right. And I think that goes back to these multiple personalities that um, we've been learning about that really um, exposed themselves over the years with Aaron. Um, you know, that the kids were always so worried about, you know, he would kind of snap from one face to another. Right, right. Um, now, take me through what you witnessed um, with your own eyes, what mm -hmm. you what you saw and and how you felt and your initial feeling after Grant's mm -hmm. Grant's death and, and, you know, just knowing everything that, you know. Absolutely. So. So, I mean, initially, as I mentioned, when Aaron first took the kids, um, I saw extreme neglect on Gracie's part physically, mentally, clothing wise, food wise, bags under the eyes, you know, and that that whole process began. In fact, I, I wondered if she was going to make it. I, I, I was worried she was going to die. I'm not kidding. I'm trying to hold back the tears, too. But um, so and then Grant struggle. Well, so the only way that really an, another thing that I saw was Aaron's constant just control I mean these kids never got to have birthday parties with their friends over and you know or hardly a sleepover ever and and really the only way that I could get access to Grant um when Aaron had the kids was after a basketball game to approach Eric um Aaron publicly and in in front of all the kids and say you know we're having a sleepover tonight at our house and Grant would just beg beg his father and, you know, the only, and because Aaron was under so much pressure publicly, he would agree to it. But then Aaron would say, no sugar, bedtime, you know, this is during a sleepover. You know, he wanted to control Grant's food and sugar intake and his bedtime and, and all of that. So it was just, um, and it was a white knuckle. Yes, you could tell he did not want Grant to go and, and stay with his friends, you know, or have any fun at all, it seemed like. Um so I, that was my first kind of glimpse of the control. Um, and then, of course, Angie's walk in the courts while she was trying to get the children back. I mean, you know, Grant would tell her mom, do something, you know, and Angie just kept trying. But, you know, we would walk into court and we'd say, surely something, you know, good will happen today. But Philip Smith, the judge, just had control over this situation and Angie ended up getting less parenting time than in history. Like in U.S. history, there were mothers on crack that got more parenting time than Angie did. And so, you know, I would be in court with my jaw dropped open and Philip Smith would scream and berate me from the stand, you know, and get out of my courtroom. And I mean, it was just so controlled and Angie was stripped and bullied of every possible way you can imagine. And I remember leaving one court after another, you know, with Aaron there in complete control of the courts thinking, what country do I live in? I mean, the things that were happening behind closed doors, it felt like I was in a foreign country witnessing it, what was happening to her. Um, and so this went on, you know, and even, and even Gracie, when her father had her, you know, when I would get to see her publicly, you know, um, he would say, Gracie would say, you don't think, you know, dad is really threatening to arrest mom. You don't think he would really do that, do you? And I'd say, no, Gracie, surely he wouldn't put your mother in jail. And sure enough, boy, if, you know, if she didn't have enough money to pay child support to him, the millionaire, he would put her in jail, you know, an Easter weekend. Sure enough, he put her in jail. Um, oh, it, Wow. I, she did tell me that. And that was, um, it's funny, not, not to interrupt you, you know, there was a woman that I think was Aaron's cousin or his aunt that was, that was commenting on, um, the, the freedom for Gracie Instagram. We had to block her. She was calling something out. She was saying, Oh, you know, Angie said he put me in jail for, for, I think she, Angie said it was for, failing to pay child support or something like that. And then uh, that was, 
that was disputed by Aaron's aunt. And I cannot remember what she said. I don't know if you recall that, but she said, no, Angie, it was because you and someone else attempted to like do something. I don't know. It was like her, her friend from choir or something like that. Um, Right. Completely false and ridiculous. So um, I just want to add one other thing and you can, you can confirm or deny this. So Aaron expected Angie to pay child support fully, even though he said she was suicidal and crazy. She was expected to, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and the judge thought nothing of this. He just said, oh, you're right. She's crazy and she's going to kill herself and she's on drugs, but she needs Mm -hmm. to pay. Okay. All right. Correct. Correct. That that's what an unbelievable situation this was. Correct. Okay. Sorry. Now, yeah, continue. I'm sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> no, that's an excellent point. And I'm glad that you brought that to light because it needs to be said. Um, so, so Angie continued fighting through the courts. Finally, the counselor uh, was able to get physical custody turned over to Angie, um, you know, even though the judge wouldn't grant custody on paper. Um, but the children were so glad to be with their mother. You know, Grant was was starting to run as they got older. Grant was starting to run away from uh, his father's house and, you know, show up at our house in the middle of the night to flee and get away from him. Um, you know, he had told DCS um, back in 2018 that he was afraid of his father and terrified of him and afraid something was really bad was going to happen to he and his sister and his mother. Um, and so when they, um, approached me, what, you know, when and Grant have always been best friends and, you know, when approached me and said, you know, Hey mom, I I think they need help. You know, I think they need a place to live. And, um, so we immediately took them in and they were actually living out of their car. So the children in, um, uh, wanted to live out of the car with their mother versus living in their father's million plus dollar home with a swimming pool. They preferred to live in their car out of suitcases. So I had when no I no idea. Mm-hmm. So when I went and met them, Angie opened her trunk and said, let me tell you how the children prefer to live instead of going back to their father. And she opened the trunk and showed me and there were their suitcases. And then it just hit me. And then, uh, you know, I might start crying again. But um, but at that point, we, you know, they came to live with us. And, um, um, and it, you know, it was amazing because once they really sort of escaped him and were, was able to get just a little bit of peace, they were like diamonds in the rough being polished. They were like flowers that were blooming, you know, that the night terror stopped, um, you know, um, they, they were finally getting their legs underneath them. They knew, you know, we told um, Aaron that if he were to come onto our property, that we would file trespassing charges against him and have him arrested. Um, So they knew they were protected. And, and uh, so at that time, those were very happy times. Um, in spite of what they had been through, they brought a lot of light into the house, a lot of love into the house, a lot of laughter. Um, and, um, and you know, things were really moving in the right direction. And, um, but, you know, during that time, what I did witness to answer your question, Lauren, is Gracie did show me um, a horrible picture that she drew Um, and this is very difficult to talk about, but of, of the rape, um, of what her father did to her, um, in the Carolinas. And, um, um, that was, um, that will haunt me forever. Uh, that picture. Um, did she just draw it for, she just was, it was a a picture that she had drawn for her counselor and it was in her room. And I said, Gracie, what is this? And um, she said, that's the picture that I drew for the counselor of, of my father raping me of what happened. Um, I'll never get over that. Um, uh, the, the other thing that I witnessed too was, you know, even with 
was Aaron's control in the school and his really ability just to have free reign of the school. Gracie, especially, I noticed extreme physical issues with the thought of going to school and her father taking her. And I'm talking about trips to the bathroom, um, rashes, um, not wanting to eat, um, crying, nightmares. She was skin and bones anyway, you know, just a petite little bitty thing. Um, and, you know, she, um, she was terrified to go to school because she knew that Aaron owned the school. I mean, I had talked to the principal along the way, Rona Branson, you know, had conversations with her saying the abuse is very bad. You know, they never would report. Um, so you, you know, the spoke to Miss Branson and said, this I, is bad. I'm <gasps> and, and nothing like nothing, nothing. nothing. They never would report. Uh, it's just mind blowing. It just felt like we were on another planet yelling for help all the time. I know. still feel that way, Melanie. Oh, sorry, I said your name. Um, well, there you go. Um, but I, I still, I still feel that way. Um, I feel like we're screaming and we're not getting the help. I mean, it's it's gotten better. And you, you don't mm -hmm. mind that I said your name, do you? I no. Okay, that's all right. I mean, I you did say your son's name. I was gonna tell you that, but that's okay. We're we're I guess we're past that. But I want to quickly go back. Um, you mentioned Grant would show up at your house in the middle of the night to mm -hmm. get away from his father. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. did you guys ever think to call the police about this or just know because of what was going on in the court and Aaron had all this power, were you guys just in your head thinking, what, what's um, happening? Yeah, so um, I actually called and reported the abuse with DCS. Um, oh, and, okay. and it was screened out within 30 minutes. What do you um, mean? What do you mean? Well, Sorry. so I called DCS, had a long conversation with them, told them everything that was happening and it was screened out within 30 minutes. Um, also, I met with the DCS worker, Megan Plegman, um, and, you know, she had all the records of the abuse and she even said to me, um, wow, Aaron seems like the type to where he would want to get Gracie, Angie and Grant like in their basement and do something to them. And I, and so, you know, but then in court, she would walk in and it was clear that she was on Aaron's side, you know, by the way she would testify. So um, it was, it was, and then, you know, another thing too about DCS, we would go to court and Megan Plegman seemed to be a bit of a gossiper. You know, it was almost like she would treat this like a soap opera. You know, we would whisper wow. her laughing and chatting it up with her DCS friends there, you know, and it was just a completely inappropriate setting, you know, mm. and then she would go on the stand and, you know, and not be an advocate for Gracie at all after, after DCS would make promises to Gracie to help her. And then they would get on the stand and it would be a completely different, Ugh. a different story. This is so upsetting. I mean, just adding the names of, of people mm -hmm. that have just completely failed. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's, uh, I guess, Melanie, when you heard about Grant's death, I mean, and, and you, what, what I, and, and you heard that Aaron was the only one there. I mean, before even speaking to anyone, did you think foul play or were you just so confused? And so, I mean, you guys have been screaming this for the last 10 years, get this man away from these kids, get this man away from his kids. He's mm -hmm. dangerous. And now Grant right. is not here. Right. Right. You know, when uh, Grant um, passed away, you know, that Monday morning, but the Friday night before he spent the night at our house and really had a great time with all of his friends. And uh, and uh, forgive me, here I go again. But um, but as he was leaving that morning, I was um, standing at the stove and I was cooking eggs and um, and I said, hey, Grant, are you leaving us? And he said, yes, ma'am. He said, I'm going to go home and see mom and Gracie. And, um, and, you know, he had that angelic look about him. 
And, um, um, but when Angie called that morning and said, and, 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 you know, we knew that Grant was going out there for this appointment and Angie called and said, uh, um, Grant's been in a horrible accident, you know, and Aaron wasn't telling her the, the whole story and his stories were changing. And we just knew that something was very off to answer your question, but we were in such a state of shock that we didn't know what to think. And, you know, I drove out to the hospital and there's Aaron and never shedding a tear, not one tear in the emergency room, not one tear. And then, you know, he starts telling Gracie we're, and Angie, we're going to be a family now. Now, now this is the man that has destroyed them their whole life. Right. I mean, strip them of everything, control, emotional abuse, physical con abuse, power, you know, I mean, Aaron never paid child support for anything. He's never given a dime to Gracie, you know. Um, in fact, we bought the children's school uniforms, you know, because he said, Aaron said, and I'm going back here, um, the only way I'll buy the uniforms is I'd like to see Gracie try them on. <gasps> yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, for, you know. Oh, with, my gosh. And then there was the control with the truck. You know, I want to come pick up Grant's truck. We said, no, um, you're not allowed on the property. And then he says, well, can I at least send my, you know, 65-year-old mother, you know, just very manipulative. Um, but sorry, um, just that goes back to that, really that control that, that we witnessed so much of. And then, you know, and I'm jumping back again, but I just want to touch on this, that when, when Aaron would even text Grant when he lived here, it would wipe out Grant. He would be in bed, just the mind control that he had over that kid, you know, and I would take him Chick-fil-A upstairs in his bed and I'd say, Grant, buddy, are you okay? And you just tell, I mean, it was like every ounce of life would just get sucked out of him, you know, for a day or two, you know, when, when his father would communicate with him or, you know, a, a, you know, he'd want Grant to do things for gift cards, just to buy produce. I mean, just the constant turmoil um, yeah, yeah. that he, that he tried to inflict on them. Um, but getting back to, um, you know, that morning, it was, it was a very shocking and confusing time. What was so confusing is that Grant looked perfect in the emergency department. You know, um, Angie kept saying, what happened? What happened? You know, and then, and then Aaron said, and I, you know, I heard him say this, oh, well, you know, we don't, it doesn't, Grant doesn't need to be on life support. We can still donate his organs up until 9 p.m. tonight. You know, just really bizarre. Oh you know, and I'm sitting there thinking, how can, how can this, because Angie was just crying and she was like, but Grant wanted to be an organ donor and help someone else. And, you know, and then Aaron says, oh, well, he can donate his organs up until 9 p.m. tonight. You know, yeah, like and, so and casual, so, right? Right, yeah, it's just, yeah. and I'm thinking, like, did I just hear what he just said? You know, yeah, and then you know, the days following that, you know, we learned about him buying the grave plots, you know, and you know, from for his divorced wife, you know, that he wanted to destroy, and then all of a sudden, you know, he he wants to be buried next to him. And in fact, one Franklin detective, Kendall Cobb, looked at it and said, Oh, this looks like murder, murder, suicide to me. Yeah, you know? that's what I um, said too. I said that too. I mean, Melanie, yeah. I I guess like so excluding the picture, right, that Gracie drew about. None of this, let's say, is illegal. None of it is a crime. Um, you know, Aaron, he's he's a narcissistic, horrible abuser, right? Horrible, horrible person. Um, all the things that we've talked about, the way he, you know, he's he's horrible. I mean, but but it's not criminal, right? The criminal part here is the accident. What happened, you know, during the time they were together that morning and and all of this obviously helps and fuels why police should look into this case and why the DA should should investigate it is that mm -hmm. fair to say that you never witnessed Aaron committing a crime or anything like that that's what I'm trying to put out there 
Right, right. Um, you know, I witnessed the result of the crimes because okay. the children lived with him while these crimes were happening. So the rape in the Carolinas, right. you know, um, all of those things um, and and just the 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 visual evidence, you know, of the children and the things that they would tell me and their testimonies to me. Um, mm. And so all of that fits into, you know, the fact that, you know, Grant dies and Aaron says he's the only witness and then they never questioned domestic abuse. When oh, that had been totally reported to DCS, yes, over you know, over of and over, course. children, you know, all of that. Um, I, I think what I'm trying to get at is is the dev not playing devil's advocate, but just what I, I guess my frustration around nobody reopening this or giving this case the time of day is okay, fine. So you're gonna come back and say, okay, nothing he did uh, was a crime, obviously you know, the rape is being investigated right now. He is, mm -hmm. it's, he's accused. Clearly he's innocent until proven he guilty, was, which is very- substantiated Right, also. but yeah, right. the abuse was, was substantiated. That's, that's correct. So mm -hmm. actually, so I take it back. That is a crime. That is that's a crime. So uh, that's, that's what we have. This was substantiated. And then this was the result of, mm -hmm. you know, the way he acted. But I mean, they, they didn't touch that. They didn't even mm -hmm. bother to look at that. So, um- I just sort of want to wrap this up with my, my main question here is why do you think all of these people are protecting Aaron Solomon and why did he have this power in the courts? Cause let's, let's be fair. You're a local news anchor. That's sure. Maybe you're a local celebrity. You make decent money. You, I don't know about investments he had, or we you know what he had stashed away. I have no idea, but I just don't think that's enough to get the judges on your side, the, you know, the mm -hmm. DA's office on your side, the police on your side, mm -hmm. the governor on your side. Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. do you explain that? Correct. You know, I think when you break it down, um, as, you know, my opinion is that it's just extreme, very large corruption. And, you know, it usually boils, boils down to Aaron has something on them that, uh, there's a much bigger picture at stake here. Um, and Grant paid a terrible price for that. Um, for for the, the governor, the attorney general, Jonathan Scarmetti, Governor Lee, and the director of Homeland Security, Jeff Long, to be determined to stay on the wrong side of the law here and not investigate this case when there is so much evidence. I mean, you have undisturbed grass in front of the vehicle you know, when it hadn't rained for a week, you know, dry and brittle, three feet tall grass. You know, you have truck forensics that showed the truck was operated up until the last second when it was placed on top of Grant. You have yeah. Grant's unharmed body, you know, with blunt force trauma, you know, the sort of, and Aaron did a very good job in the beginning of trying to paint a picture for the public uh, putting their minds up on top of that hill mm. instead of just pulling the truck off of 109. So that narrative started and he was able to run with that for a while, but there's one thing that they cannot escape. And that is what happened in that ditch. Unmistakably. Right. There's too many timelines. There's too many evidence. There's too, the 911 call. The facts are boxed in. So well, for the fact of yeah. the Gallatin DA to say, well, we need a smoking gun. Then we get the truck and present that smoking gun. Well, how, why would you bring us a murder we can't solve? One of these things should bring on an indictment or at least questioning. I mean, as far as we know, Aaron Solomon was never even brought in for questioning after the morning of the scene. So, he wasn't. He, I mean, I, I have all the police. I, they did everything on the scene. And, and I mentioned this at the beginning of this episode where it's like, you know, I, I talked about the belongings that were found by a random man who happens to know Aaron's best friend, Lee Lynch. Oh my goodness. What are the odds? But it's like, I chose not to bring that up at first because there are so many other things that are so obvious that you call BS on, right? Like you, I just, everything you just said, you cannot, you cannot deny what happened in the ditch and the facts around it with his body position, the fact that his body was perfect, the fact that Aaron's story changed. You can't deny any of that, but I. True. 
True. I don't know. I don't really know. And, And it's for reasons I don't understand, but you know, my message to, to governor Lee and general Scrimetti and Jeff Long, Homeland Security, as a mother, it's never too late to do the right thing. Do the right thing. This was a boy in your village, not just your neighborhood, not just your city, in your backyard. If you don't care enough to even investigate one of your own from your own church, shame on you. Shame on you, Tennessee, and to all of these men involved for not opening an investigation and getting justice for this child, Grant's brothers, everyone. And for gosh sake, Grant's mother who is suffering and Gracie, his little sister who he died for is suffering. Um, This is an unbelievable, disgusting, foul treatment of a human being. And, and, you know, heaven help you when you knock on his door. That's all I can say. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I, I hope everybody listening, this has been really, oh my gosh, this has been hard for me to listen to. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Um, but I do hope everyone who hears this can really, really see how frustrating this whole thing has been because it's, I know that life isn't fair. And I know that this is, you know, the Solomons, Angie, Grace, and and Grant, they're not the only ones that maybe are going through this. So, you know, I, I, I want to put that out there. I know there's a lot of people suffering, but it's just so difficult uh, when you you think you're doing everything right. You're you're documenting it. You're bringing it to the people that have the ability to help you, and they just won't help. So um, I hope everybody listening, you know, can really walk away from this episode. Um, and and you know, maybe you're inspired to do something. Maybe you're inspired to call the FBI for us. Maybe you might know somebody that knows somebody that could, you know, pull some strings. I don't know, but anything mm-hmm. because it this guy is dangerous. So anyway, mm-hmm. thank yes. you again for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Lauren. Whew. So yes, I was not lying. That was a lot. That was very emotional for me. Um, but I want to thank Melanie for her time and just for, for doing the right thing. But anyway, thank you everyone for listening. I know I, I've said this a few times, but there is some kind of progress going on on the back end that I, I can't share just yet. Uh, we were kind of excited last week when something happened and, um, We haven't heard anything since then, so not really sure, but hopefully I'll be able to um, talk about it pretty soon. But um, yeah, thanks again for listening. Keep your emails coming. They're super helpful. And we'll be back with another episode of Corruption next week. Okay, I hope I didn't ruin too many of your days with that episode. I know that it was so heavy and so hard to listen to, but thank you all for powering through and... um, Like I said, if you have anything that you can do to help, I know I said this in the other podcast, but please just email me lauren at magicshack.com or, you know, sign the change.org petition. It's so helpful. Anything, anything. If you want to donate, there's a justice for grant. Um, what do you call it? Uh, GoFundMe. You can donate to that. That goes to doing an accident reconstruction, hiring a lawyer and a potential PI. But anyway, thanks again for listening. And hopefully you will run, not walk over to the Corruption Podcast and download all the episodes and catch up. 